Hello, everybody. Dr. Ron Dalrymple coming at you again with Mind Shock, the Endless Question. Today we have a new episode, which I think really fascinating information. Again, mind-blowing type stuff. We're going to talk about a very powerful, powerful book written many years ago in 1843 on December 12th, which characterizes, perhaps in the best way in history, I think, the transformational journey from a lower state of consciousness to a higher state of consciousness, where the protagonist, the key character, is shocked into a higher state of awareness. What we're talking about is A Christmas Carol, written by Charles Dickens, December 12, 1843. Very, very powerful book. He said that when he wrote this, he felt incredible forces or energies working around him and through him. He felt incredible energy lifting him up. He was having all kinds of dreams and whatnot and insights. So it really was an amazing thing. He felt that the story came from a higher place. So let's go back to those ancient times, comparatively. Let's join them in their world. And when we write screenplays, I went to another graduate training program in the West Coast for a master's degree in screenwriting a few years ago. What we often do is different methods of creating a story. In the first sequence, we start in their world. We join the characters in their world. And the world at that time, 1843 England, was a place of very rich and very poor. Many people lived in the streets or in great poverty. They lived in slavery, as we'll see. Some of the characters are totally enslaved. They lived in abject misery, many of these folks. They lived in big sewer pipes, that type of thing. They stayed out of cold, fighting for every scrap of bread, for every coal to warm themselves with. It was really a horrific time, a horrendous time for these poor folks. So England was the land of the rich and the very poor, as was the rest of the world, as true of the rest of Europe, true of much of America. That was a very different story in many ways, which we'll get to some other stories or episodes. So again, the streets are filled with poor and homeless. Ebenezer Scrooge, who is the protagonist in the story, we start out with him in his office. He's a miser. He's very cruel to others. This is December 24th. This year, right before Christmas, it's Christmas Eve day. And he's penny pinching behind his desk. He's a miserable person, snapping at his employee, poor old Bob Cratchit, who he's made into a slave. Bob puts up with it. Bob submits to the slavery because he has to feed his family. Scrooge harasses him over a bit of coal. He, the coal's going down to furnace. Remember, it's very, very cold in England. If you've ever been to England, you'll know in the wintertime there, it's bitter, bitter cold. It's not just the, the cold, it's the humidity. Because the British Isles are, of course, a series of islands which touch up the North Atlantic and the North Sea nearby. Very, very cold place. Bitter cold. It's windy. I've been there in the wintertime. Anyway, he was putting some more coal into the fireplace and Scrooge snaps at him. Tells him, stop wasting money. Clothes were made to keep you warm. Those vestments have a purpose. Pull them tight around you. Let's not waste money on coal. Remember now, Scrooge is a very, very wealthy guy. In today's terms, he'd be a multimillionaire. We can assume he had vast wealth he created. In any case, poor old Bob Cratchit is much abused, but he tolerates this to feed his family, which we will see very soon. Then Scrooge's nephew visits, the symbol of a good man, Fred. He's filled with love for all life. His mother was a very loving, beautiful lady who was the sister of Scrooge, whom Scrooge loved very much, which will come out later. But Scrooge has closed that out. He's closed out the world. He's closed out his feelings of love and kindness. He's focused only upon making money. Only imagine him as gold. His God has become gold. Well, Fred, the nephew, Invites Scrooge to Christmas dinner, as he'd done many years. He says he'll do many years to come. Scrooge refuses. 
Ah, humbug. Why? Christmas dinner. What a waste of time. Waste of energy. Sitting with people over nothing. Refuses to go. So poor old Fred leaves. Cratchit's there slaving away. And Scrooge leaves for the exchange. Of course, the comparable day would be the stock exchange. Those days was where they exchanged all kinds of goods and products we'll see later. And there, Scrooge runs into, into Tiny Tim, a crippled little boy, maybe five years old, the crippled son of Bob Cratchit. And this poor child is freezing outside Scrooge's office, waiting for his father. So in a freezing, Scrooge laughs as well, young man, you'll have a long, long wait, because Bob had many more hours to work. So Scrooge leaves this five-year-old child freezing outside in a bitter cold of England, a crippled child, while his father, Bob Cratchit, is working. He could have sent the boy inside, said, hey, get in there, stay warm, put some fire in the fireplace, get it rolling, take care of the kids, still do your work. But no, he turns his back on him and marches off the exchange to make more money, because that is his God, money. Scrooge brushes off the child. So he goes to the exchange, and there he argues with some men over buying corn. Scrooge has a warehouse full of corn. These men want to buy it. And Scrooge just jacks up the price 5%. Says, ah, if you want this corn, you have to buy it for 5% more. So these guys, they kind of mumble and grumble. Say, okay, Scrooge, we'll pay your price. We have no choice. Scrooge laughs, walks away. He just made a lot more money. That's all that matters to him is that money. So then he's approached by some men who want to raise money for the poor. And Scrooge says, are there no workhouses? Are there no prisons? I pay my taxes. That should be sufficient. My taxes pay what needs to be paid. Why should I care about these? These men are disgusted and horrified. Because again, Scrooge is a very rich guy. He can easily part with a lot of money and not miss it in the least. But he refuses on principle or his lack of principles or his confused principles, as we'll see. So he struts away. He just walks off. These men sh shake their heads in disgust and wonder, how can this man be so cheap and so cruel? And of course, where the word Scrooge comes from. And maybe Dickens was doing a wordplay and he meant scourge. And he created Scrooge out of the word scourge. This man scourges everything and he's scourged by society. As he hates others, he becomes, of course, hated by all. Well, poor old Bob Cratchit finally leaves work and finds his freezing crippled son, Tiny Tim, outside. He picks him up, lots of love shown. He says, how are you, son? He says, well, fine now. But he's been outside freezing for hours in a bitter London cold. Anyway, Bob Cratchit picks him up, loves him. So again, we see the contradiction, the contrast with Scrooge. Scrooge of anger, hatred, greed, selfishness. Bob Cratchit showing profound love for his son. Just like the nephew Fred of Scrooge, also a very loving person in contrast to the character Scrooge. Now, in the next sequence, we get into the inciting incident. The inciting incident in the story is something that happens to the main character to knock them off on a whole new course where they create a whole new desire line, or in other words, desire line is the track the story runs down. They go off on a different path. They usually have a plan of action, and their opponents also have a plan of action. Well, here it's more a story of revelation. So Scrooge is basically forced to go along with the ghosts who appear to him, or going to appear to him. So his plan becomes to cooperate with them, despite the fact he doesn't want to, certainly shows that in many ways. And the spirits, their plan, as his opponents here are to help him wake up, to break out of his shell of delusion, to break out of his frozen, fixated consciousness and attain to a higher state. So in any case, Scrooge comes back home and he hears the voice of his old partner, Marley, Jason Marley, dead seven years that day. Marley was his partner in business for many years and made lots and lots of money, also very wealthy. 
died in great wealth. In any case, the ghost appears. He's carrying, carrying his long chain behind him, chains and weights. He's dragging along his vast metal weights and chains, walking along in abject misery. Of course, Scrooge is shocked. And he says, you are just a bit of meat, a piece of mustard. You're nothing. You're an imagination. Go away. And so the ghost yells at him, screams to him, and says, sit down and listen to me. And Scrooge finally does. And then Marley shouts at him, forget business. Of course, I have success in business, but you have missed the point. Mankind is your business. Humankind is your purpose. Not your collecting coins as you shelter around and hide and drool over and worship as your god. Gold is not your idol. Wake up. Scrooge, of course, wants nothing of this. Then Marley warns him, you carry a chain far longer than mine. Seven years ago, your chain was just as long as mine is now, and you've gained seven more years of debt against humanity, seven more years of crimes you committed against your fellow humankind, cheating them, using them, robbing them, not caring. You have no idea what awaits you, Scrooge. So you must wake up. I came to give you a chance to not suffer my fate. Those are Marley's parting words. And he disappears out the window. After he tells him, you'll be visited by three ghosts. Three ghosts will come. One upon the hour of 1 a.m. The second upon the hour of 2 the third upon the hour of 3 a.m. Then he disappears through the window and Scrooge brushes him off. So just a bit of meat or mustard, nothing, nothing, ah, oh, nightmare, nothing. He tries to weasel his way out of the three ghosts. In the next sequence, of course, the ghost of Christmas past will appear. The first Scrooge goes to bed, tries to sleep, and then he hears the bell toll one. The clock tower nearby tolls one. And he hears it, ah, nothing, just a dream, a nightmare. And all of a sudden the ghost appears. So a beautiful woman appears in the window. She comes towards him. She says, I am here for your reformation. He says, ah, well, reformation is it? So he goes with her. She takes him back to his childhood friends, his school on Christmas Day in different years. Takes him back to a Christmas when he was alone at school, left by his father. His father who resented him because his mother died in childbirth. When Scrooge was born, his mother died. And so the father hates him and resents him still what happened years ago, treats him with great cruelty. This is the source, of course, of much of Scrooge's problem. His mother died in childbirth. He didn't have the maternal love, which should have been there. He did have love from his sister, who's a very loving person, Fen, but she died early on, as we'll see. In the case, the father rejects him, leaves him at school, doesn't care. He's left alone at school. All the other kids are home. He's alone there. So there's a teen with his sister, again, whom he loved, Fen. She was a very loving person. Father, she comes to get him from school. Says, "Finally, now you can leave. Let's leave school." And Scrooge is going, "What? What? We're leaving? Really? Because he's been here for years. Couldn't go home. Father wouldn't take him home." So he meets his father. They go outside. The father treats him again with cruelty, no love. He says, "Well, you're going now to old Fezziwig's, the apprentice. You'll be home for three days." Scrooge goes, "Well, three three days, father. I, I haven't seen you for years. I mean, three days. Three days should be sufficient. That'll be enough." So we hear the voice that Scrooge assumes later on, the voice of coldness, the voice of selfishness, the voice of predatory thinking, of reptilian mind thinking, which has inhabited the world, of course, for millions of years and still does, unfortunately, in many quarters, which we'll talk about in later shows. In any case, home for three days. Then he goes to work with the old Fezziwig. Fezziwig turns out to be a really great guy. He's a really good man. He has a loving family. They have a lot of apprentices there and he treats with goodness. So Scrooge has here a very good experience. So we see he's getting the contrast.
both good and bad growing up. So his father's very cruel, and yet he has a sister who's very loving. He has an early apprentice, Fezziwig, who treats him with kindness and goodness. But within, Scrooge has acquired a negative self-image and low self-esteem because he's rejected by his father, rejected by the world he felt. He felt alone inside, despite the fact he's now in a big office. So we have a transcendental scene there in the office where it's shown that things are the way they should be in the world. In every film or, or book, you have a transcendental scene which shows the ideal world, it gives you an ideal to contrast the story you're telling against. So we see all the criminality, the corruption, the, the fraud, whatever existed in England at that time, contrasted to this world of lightness and fun and merriness and whatnot with many people dancing and singing, having a great time in Fezziwig's office. Now, Scrooge has an attraction to Belle, this young lady at the party. It turns out he's promised to her at some point. They make promises to each other to marry at some point. But he feels unworthy of her. And he feels he must get rich first. So again, the insecurity comes from an early childhood experience of being unloved, unwanted. So he has what I call conditional self-esteem. Conditional self-esteem means I'm only okay if I do this or if I do that. Many people have this. I must make a million bucks or I'm no good. I must drive the biggest car around or I'm no good. I must own the biggest house, et cetera, et cetera. These, of course, are delusions. We hope to impress others with our what we've acquired, but who's impressed by our acquisitions? Nobody but us, generally. Just like Scrooge, when he's later, later on in life, he's very rich. He thinks he's loved by the world or admired by the world. He's not. He's despised by people for the character he's become. In the case the young Scrooge, has this delusion in mind that he must get rich first. So he feels unworthy of Belle. So again, we see his low self-esteem, his conditional self-image. The next year, he stands her up. He's making money at Fezziwigs. He's doing great, getting ahead in the world. She's shown waiting for him on a, on a bench in a park. He shows up late. She says, well, you know, you, you put everything else first. You, you don't put me first at all. You have a new idol that's gold. You pursue gold. He says, no, 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 I'm just trying to acquire for us. Will help us succeed in life. Just no, money engrosses you. Money has enslaved you. You've lost your vision. She says, I have no money. I have no dowry to give you. You can acquire nothing by marrying me in terms of money. So I release you from our contract made years ago. I release you from the promises we made each other. And she walks off. He's, he's heartbroken. He almost goes after her, but he holds himself back. Again, he's, fear, he's filled with self-doubt and fear. And then the ghost shows him years later that Belle is married with kids, very happy. And Scrooge realizes what he has lost. In fact, she's talking to her husband at the time. The husband mentions, I saw Scrooge all alone in his office, scribbling away. His part partner merely, sorry, Marley near death. And Scrooge is in the office with just one candle. He can't afford two candles. He'd be wasting money. He can't afford heat. It's a waste of coal. So he's scribbling away, alone in his own world, delusion and selfishness, resenting the world, suspicious of all. So in any case, at the end of this scenario, Scrooge leaves the ghost in disgust, says, spare me your pity. I don't want your pity. He goes back to his world. He says, what a horrible nightmare. God, let me sleep. Very significant. He says, God. He refers to God, to a higher power for the first time. Remember, this is a man who curses Christmas. Bah humbug. It means nothing. He's a man of anger and resentment towards the world. So for the first time, he says, God, let me sleep. So he's making forward progress. This is part of the transformational journey that Dickens is showing. He says, let me sleep in peace. Again, very, very symbolic. 
So in the next sequence, we see the ghost of Christmas present. This is a ghost like a great king sitting upon a throne. He's very jolly, happy. He symbolizes the Christmas spirit of today or of that day. Ghost is a giant. He's a huge guy, cowers over Scrooge as they walk about London. They go to the house of Bob Cratchit, his servile employee. They have a very ideal family. They all support Tiny Tim, the poor crippled child whom Scrooge had scourged earlier. So Bob prays for the dinner they're having for an attitude of gratitude. They have a vault, very small goose, but they make too. He's a large family, his wife and six kids, but they pray and they get by. At the end of the prayer, Scrooge says, Amen. And the ghost says, what? What did you say? She goes, whoa, whoa, whoa nothing. I, I said nothing. Whoa, 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 whoa. The ghost says, oh, no, you said something. Oh, no, I'm just mumbling. Oh. So again, he's transforming. He said, God, earlier now he says, Amen. He's feeling some changes within. He's realizing, remembering deeper parts of himself, which he's suppressed for a long time. The spirit didn't tell Scrooge that Tiny Tim will die. I'm sorry, but Tiny Tim will die. He's crippled. He has a lot of problems. Unless he gets help, he will die. Scrooge is hit by this because he, he realizes this beautiful young child here, this great kid, who always says, God bless them, everyone who's going to die. The spirit mocks him about, did you say decrease the surplus population? He throws back at him Scrooge's own words, decrease the surplus population. Scrooge says, oh, you're mocking me. He says, yes, now apply that to the young boy. How do you feel about that? And how do you think people feel about you? Perhaps you may be more worthless than millions of those whom you condemn, despite your great wealth. Maybe you are the one who is worthless. Maybe you are part of the surplus population. Scrooge is hit by this. And then we see in the scene again that Bob Cratchit's wife scourges Scrooge as mean and odious. He's an evil man. And Bob says, no, no, it's Christmas Day. We must have charity. We must have love in our hearts. And so they all say a toast and a prayer for Scrooge. Again, Scrooge is hit by this. Next, in Christmas present, they go to the house of his nephew, Fred. And Fred speaks up for Scrooge, but says his wealth of, is of no use to him. What good does it do him? He has vast wealth, but so what? What's he spend it on? His own selfishness? They all make fun of his bah humbug. They all laugh. So Scrooge is again hit by this. He's being ridiculed by people behind his back. They then visit a homeless camp filled with poor and freezing people, and Scrooge feels for them. People who are huddling over a fire, they have nothing to eat. They can barely get heat. They're freezing in a cold, brutal winter of London, just like many folks today are homeless and poor and freezing due to other things happening, which we'll talk about later on. In any case, Scrooge feels for them. He feels sorry for them. He feels empathy for these people. He says, why, why do they have nothing to eat? They have scraps of bread? They have nothing? And then the ghost, Christmas present, says, well, he opens up his robe and says, there are two tiny children here. And he opens the robe, there's two tiny, scrawny kids who look terrible. He says, they are ignorance and want. They're forever, they forever with the humankind, with humankind. They're forever with you because of your state of consciousness. It's been long said that the greatest error, or greatest sin, is that of error thinking. Wrong thinking takes us off in the wrong directions. We follow the wrong principles, and that creates chaos in our lives. In any case, ignorance and want shall forever be with humankind until we transcend that state of consciousness. So spirit leaves him there in the cold. Basically, it's a big open sewer, big, huge sewer, no running water down there, but just a place where people huddle to stay warm. This is half point in story structure. The end of the fourth sequence is often a great crisis where the hero is losing, but also must make some 
self-revelations. Must have some huge revelations to move on. It's a huge crisis. So he leaves him there. The ghost leaves him there in this very cold and bitter place. The next sequence starts where there's this dark, ghostly, horrible figure in the distance. It is the ghost of Christmas future. It is death symbolized. And this spirit doesn't speak. It just points and makes this really weird, bizarre noise. So Scrooge is alone, terrified. And then the spirit takes him to the exchange. This is in the future after Scrooge has died. And they all disrespect him. His old friends there, well, quote unquote friends, laugh at him, make fun of him. Oh, what a miser he was. Then he takes him back to his home, to his own bed, where his own corpse is wrapped up in a sheet. And Scrooge says, no, no, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. He refuses to look at the body in the bed. Of course, it's his own body. He's looking at the future. Then he go to a place where the poor are selling his stolen items. So people who worked in his house and others came in, stole his watches, his jewelry, his whatever, and were selling them off. And he's infuriated. How dare these people steal my goods? I'll call a constable. I'll have them arrested. Well, it's in the future, and we're only here in spirit form, so you can't really do that. So then they're taken to Cratchit's home, and they experience what's happened after the death of Tiny Tim. They're talking about they've lost Tim. They're all crushed. The father is crushed. The mother, all the kids are crushed, but they're showing love and hope among them. He says, well, with our love and hope, we shall always keep Tiny Tim alive in our hearts and in our minds. So Scrooge has to go home. Instead, the spirit takes him to a cemetery. And Scrooge begs to change. He refuses to look at the gravestone. He refuses to look. And finally, he's forced to look. He wipes away the snow and sees his own name on the tombstone, Ebenezer Scrooge. And so Scrooge is horrified. He starts crying. He's freaked out. He begs to change. He begs for it. He says, he will learn lessons. He will change. He will change. He will keep the spirit of Christ in his heart forever. This is a transformational experience. He is now transformed in character from a lower state of selfishness and greed and deprivation, really, for others, or depravity of mind, and then moves to a higher state of realization that he has lived the wrong way. He lost the meaning along the way. He had some love in childhood, and he also had some hatred from his father and rejection. That's what led to his years and years of fearful behavior, trying to build his own wealth as a defense against the cold world. Remember back then, there was no Social Security. There was no Medicare. There was no Medicaid. There were no systems to support people. If you started back then, you started. There was no one to bail you out except family, friends, and of course, your own initiative. So the next sequence, he goes back home. He wakes up, it's 9 a.m. in the morning. He goes, oh my, oh my, oh my. 9 a.m., it's Christmas Day. Well, I'm still alive, I'm still here. So he runs to the window and he yells out to a young boy down here. He says, young boy, go, go grab the biggest goose down the street and take it to this address. And he has it taken by the, by the guy who sells his stuff, takes it to Bob Cratchit's house. So Bob and the family receive this massive, massive, Goose, and I can't believe it. Where did this come from? It came from Anonymous. So he then says that he will live with the spirit of past, present, future inside him. That he will remember the past. He'll focus on the present. He'll think about the future. So he says, I, I realize what I've been doing wrong. He, he has a shift of consciousness. He now realizes he must go forward, keeping the past tuned in in a sense. He's going to learn beyond it, not staying stuck in the past, focused in the present constantly doing works of good to create a much better future. He makes that promise. He says, the spirits of all three will live inside me. From this point forward, Scrooge is very happy. He's laughing, joking. He's like a young boy again. He gets the best, the best goose or turkey for Bob Cratchit. He gives tips to everybody, passing around money. Then he goes to his nephew Fred's house. He's at Fred's there with his wife. He asks for forgiveness. He says, please forgive me. I've, 
I realize that I've been wrong. I hope you'll forgive me and take me back. I'd love to come dine with you on Christmas Day. So he said, of course, Uncle, you're most welcome. We love you. You're always welcome. So they show him love despite all his anger and nastiness for so many years. He then goes to work the next day where Bob, poor old Bob Cratchit comes in. He's 18 minutes late because he was tied up from, you know, the day before. And Scrooge is playing with him. He says, well, well, what do you have to say for yourself? Why are you late? And he thinks he's going to be fired. Poor old Bob. Said Scrooge laughs and throws him a bag of money. He says, I'll double your salary. And I swear I will help Tiny Tim. I swear to you, I will help him heal. So really a beautiful transformation where he talks to everybody in a different way. And he's transformed. He's a new character. He then saves Tiny Tim and becomes a second father to this great young child. He is transformed to a higher state of consciousness, higher state of mind, as must we all at some point. So the whole point is that life is a journey. Life is a time to experience, to grow, to learn lessons from this world, to not be enslaved by the world around us, to not be trapped by the world, to not be enslaved by the negativity, the anger, the resentment. If you're abused by somebody, if you're put down, if you develop a conditional self-image, it has to be changed to a very positive self-image, a very powerful self-esteem. We talk about in our courses and our training, developing infinite self-esteem, super positive thinking, developing your self-image to a much higher state, which then allows access to you to a much higher state of mind. That state of mind accessed by Dickens when he wrote this story. He was tapped into those higher levels, as many people can do by deep concentration, having the right spirit and mind to help humankind, and very powerful ideas come to you. The point is we all have within us tremendous talents and abilities. And today, on this day, Christmas Day, we must develop those talents and abilities and share those with the world, share those with others, reach out and help change this world. This world has become very depraved and off course, run by criminals, quite frankly, in many places around the world. There are many changes now to get them out and to bring back justice and peace and freedom, to bring back the United States Constitution and so forth. We must believe in those precepts. They were created for the good of all. We must live by those precepts and get beyond the selfishness, the greed, the brainwashing that we're constantly fed. We must think for ourselves, understand that great power is inside us, and to awaken to that power, then we can do great things upon earth. So go forth, folks. Share the spirit all around the world. doesn't matter what faith you're from. If it's Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, whatever, it's all work of connecting at a higher level of consciousness and bonding together to create a world of peace, not a world of tribalism, not a world of war, but a world of peace and harmony that must come for the world destroys itself, as we believe it has done before. Any folks, you have a lot more coming on other networks, on this and other networks, so stay tuned. Enjoy your, your day here, your great holiday, and share the love, share the kindness with other people. Do random acts of kindness. Think super positive at all times. See the goodness in other people. Reach out to help others. Make the same jump that Scrooge made, where he went from a very negative character to a very positive character. Now, most folks are not in that state of mind where he was, but... We're often somewhere in between and stuck in some of our negative thinking and negative feeling. So it's time to change that, to grow, to expand, folks, and transform this world. So God bless all. Have a great, great holiday. Let's create a great new year and get beyond these troubled times and create a whole new harmonic world, which is waiting for us. Take care. This is Dr. Ron Darrenpool from Mind Shocking Those Questions signing off. Until next time, take care, folks.